the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What unforgiveness does to the brain. And later we're talking about deception, persecution, and hidden abuse. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on this Tuesday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. So glad that you are with us today. As always, we'd love to invite you to catch up on our podcast if you miss any of this week's show. And we also love engaging with you on social media. We're at Common Good Talk on Facebook. Brian, I, you know, we've talked about the concept of forgiveness lately. Mm-hmm. And, I, and later this week, we're going to talk about family drama in the holidays. I feel like this time of year. Look forward to your family drama. This, yeah, I, I need to air some family drama conversations. But that always makes you think about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation, I think it was last week, about what forgiveness is, what forgiveness isn't. isn't. Yep. So this caught my attention. Charles Stone is writing about what unforgiveness does to the brain. Okay, so like that it can keep our bodies and brains in a high state of alertness. It can lead to some unhealthy results. Um, This is over at churchleaders.com. Charles Stone uh, says unforgiveness in the brain. It can lead to rumination Mm. where we nurse and rehearse the hurt, which reinforces our negative emotions. It burns the event and the pain even deeper into our neural pathways. When we're not focused on a task, our inner self-talk will often default to rehearsing the painful situation. You know what's embarrassing about this is what's up? I was ruminating over some unforgiveness in speaking of family drama, some family members. And on the way to the studio this evening, I was like, I was literally doing this. I was rehearsing the hurt mm-hmm. and having not just inner self-talk, but like having a fake conversation yeah. with the person. <laughs> Have you done that? Have you had the fake conversation with the person that you I've haven't thought forgiven? about? This is what I would want to say to that person yeah, if I if came I in contact with them right now. Yeah, right. If I felt completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. It is so true because unforgiveness, we've said this a million times, but it weighs on you so much more than the person totally. that, that hurts you. Yes. Like, and like you said, it takes up brain space yeah. and you're just yeah. thinking about it. And like you said, rehearsing it. And you're oh. like, well, they must be thinking in the same. No, uh, they're not. They're not. They're not living thinking their about best you life. at all. Yeah, they don't care. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Here's the next thing. This is really interesting. So this is actually some, something that'll make you think about forgiveness. Uh, you can have a diminished memory due to unforgiveness. When right? we remain stressed for long periods of time, so we refuse to forgive, cortisol actually causes our brain to atrophy, especially wow. our memory center called the hippocampus. Hmm. I never knew that. I never That's knew that either. All right, here's one. This might be a little obvious, but I think it's worth saying amplified negative emotions. Prolonged stress also amplifies our amygdala sensitivity, making us even more susceptible to further hurt and pain. That's interesting that you could become more sensitive. Sensitive. Okay. I don't like that. I don't need to be more sensitive. No, that's really interesting. Okay. uh, Schoenfreud, the concept describes the secret pleasure we feel when we see those who have hurt us experience misfortune themselves. I feel like I might be a little guilty of this. It actually (laughs) causes our brain to produce 
the pleasure neurotransmitter dopamine. It mm. actually feels good to see bad things happen to those we don't forgive. Is that right? Ooh, that's yucky. It's the opposite of praying for your enemies, which Jesus commanded us to do. Mm. Uh, yeah, this is getting a little too real. Uh, I, don't, I don't like those. Uh, okay. How do you overcome unforgiveness? You That's ready for this? The, that is the sixty-four thousand. This is where we need question. to get right now, so we don't become people happy when our enemies are not doing well. We don't want to be that yucky person. Admit the pain. Mm-hmm. First, just name. Look, this hurts. He says, "Do you that admit when, it to the other person, or we just so. own think, up to that? You're not." I'm forgiving. guessing it's for yourself. He says, "When we name a painful emotion, not stuffing it or rehearsing it, we actually decrease the negative emotions' intensity." Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Do yeah. Journal. Process through the pain. Write it down. Let journaling becoming a way to give it to God. Mm. Begin to choose to forgive that person. He says, "Note: I use the word begin." Some offenses can be quickly forgiven. Some take a very long time. The deeper the pain, the longer it takes. Forgiveness is a process. It's not forgive and forget. Listen Mm -hmm. to this. He says Mm -hmm. true forgiveness is more like remembering it less and less. I think that's a hugely important point. Say why. In my own life, but also when other people I've talked to, the whole hurdle to forgiveness is not just I'm letting them off the hook, but like the expectation with forgiveness is forgetting. Yeah, it totally is. And it's just not the right, case. Right. But I think somewhere oftentimes we get that in our minds. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to, like, I'm not, I, I, I'm never going to forget it. So if I'm not going to forget it, then I can't forgive them. Then I can't them. forgive. That's not what it means. And, uh, or letting off the hook or this, mm-hmm. that, that's not what forgiveness mm-hmm. is. Uh, but I think that's a big one. I think that gets in our way. Yeah, I think that's good. And I, I do like the concept of, remembering less and less like maybe it's less time ruminating on it less time having the imaginary conversations in your car so you don't necessarily have to be like oh i can't believe i'm still doing this but like are you doing it less than you were a year ago Mm -hmm. hey that's a good sign maybe you've forgiven you've started to move on from this experience the last one which i think is key we we mention this i feel like almost every time we have a conversation on forgiveness but draw deeply from god's grace Mm. Charles Stone says, at the root of the Christian faith lies grace, receiving God's grace and extending it to others who have heard us. He mentions the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 13, forgive others as Jesus has forgiven us. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. In your own experience, Brian, just like forgiving people or let's say not forgiving people, any insights you've picked up just even for your own soul? Um, I, I, I think what they said in this that you were reading before, you got to own the fact that you're actually hurt. Because I think that's what we do a lot yeah. of times. Like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. And you're like ruminating on mm. it. And like, like even right now when you ask me about unforgiveness, there's certain pictures in my mind that come up. Like yeah. I, I'm seeing people in my head. Totally. Like, oh, that person. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one. And so I think owning the fact that <sighs> I, it's the old knowing is half the battle, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have to own the fact that I'm hurt. And then I can start to deal with that hurt. And, you know, I think for really serious hurt, I think you need to bring other people in to help talk you through it. Uh, What does forgiveness look like? It might be a counselor. It might be a good friend, whatever else it might be. So own it um, and then do the work. It's not just so simple as like, I forgive you. Right. Like, no, this is this takes some work. Yeah. And I I know we've kind of said this before, but I do think there's an importance of like, okay, the the. 
the proximity of the relationship, right? Like it really matters with your spouse that the two of you do that work together. Like Brian said, maybe with a mediator or maybe if you're just harboring bitterness in your in your own heart, like how can you begin to release that for the sake of your marriage? If the spouse has betrayed you and it's mm-hmm. a really big thing, then definitely bring a therapist into that for sure. If it's, you know, and, and then you kind of almost move out in concentric circles, right? Like I think the person that's way down the line relationally, like that forgiveness is a little easier, yeah. right? Yeah. It's when it's when it's someone who's really, really hurt you close. and they're close to you. That's when I think Brian's right. Like it it's for your own soul as much as it's for them. And it takes a lot of work, but I think it's, you know, so often worth doing. I'm thinking about like forgiveness, just kind of the day in and day out forgiveness that it takes to make a marriage work or with your kids or that kind of thing and how how that in one sense is uh easier and harder like it's Mm -hmm. a very strange thing Mm -hmm. it requires more of you like okay i guess i'll forgive this person again okay i'll ask for forgiveness again but because the love is there and you live with that person you want to you want to make it work i think it becomes harder when it's like a random extended family member or something like that anyway forgiveness forgiveness what it does to the brain and what we can do about it. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, I know we say this a lot, but if you missed our conversation with author Nagme Panahi, Brian was remembering her story as we were interviewing her, that she was in the news. Some of you know her story, really fighting to see her husband. If if people Google Mm, her name or her husband, what, Syed, S-A-E-E-D, I guarantee you... From like five, six, seven years ago, you will remember You'll that remember story. It was story. all over the news at the time. Oh, so, so powerful. Anyway, an incredible conversation with her. We'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on the podcast. Okay, Brian, sometimes I bring you things because I don't know what I think about them. Great. And this is one of those moments. Okay, so a lot of people are probably going to be even outraged with me that I don't know what I think about it. But I'm going to tell you the story. This is from religionnews.com. An Arizona school board member was told to stop quoting the Bible. Now she's suing. Okay, so listen to this. Heather Rook, she's a Christian who attends a large non-denominational church, says her First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise of religion have been violated. She's a school board member, and apparently during board meetings, um, she was instructed to stop quoting Bible passages at the Mm -hmm. board meetings. Like I said, she filed a federal lawsuit against her district. Uh, late September, basically alleging her First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise of religion have been violated. She's been serving the Peoria Unified School District, one of Arizona's largest districts since 2023. She is being represented by a law firm in Texas. Anyway, so her four kids attend the school and she was quoting short Bible passages during the board comments portion of each board meeting. So sometimes they were related to the theme of courage. For instance, she would quote from Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. Or she would quote from Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you, I take refuge. Rooks told Religion News Service she was surprised and then saddened after being instructed not to quote scripture because she, quote, never thought that would happen in America. She said she recited Bible verses as a source of strength when faced with difficult decisions. She says, with everything that goes on as a new school board member, we're facing a lot of adversity and challenges. So reading those verses really gave me some strength and courage and peace. She was seeking courage to keep speaking out for parents, she said. 
Critics of Rooks say her quoting the Bible passages had political undertones, especially during board meetings where issues like white supremacy and gender nonconformity are discussed. In April, the board voted down a bathroom policy supported by Rooks that would have restricted transgender students from using bathrooms that align with their gender identity. Okay, there's a lot more to the story. We can keep talking about it. Help me know how to think about this, Brian. Yeah, uh, I think one thing that's also helpful here I'm reading later on, the board's legal counsel emailed board members in mid-July saying it would, quote, be in the best interest of the district for board members to stop quoting Bible verses because doing so violated federal and state laws and because freedom from religion in secular Arizona had threatened to take further action, including filing a lawsuit. So uh I feel lots of things about this. Yeah. One, I don't think they should have shut her down. Um, Two, uh, there is an activism on school boards these days that I don't know that she is or isn't part of where they're like, I'm going to come on there and make a point. So I'm just going to talk, recite in this case, just recite the Bible Mm -hmm. and try to kind of be really Mm upfront with people to kind of push. So there's that. Uh, Three, it feels to me that them trying to stop her, now they didn't threaten her. They didn't say there would be discipline. That's what the board is saying. Like, why is she suing us? We didn't, we didn't say, say there'd discipline. be discipline. Yeah. Uh, it feels like saying you can't do this or please stop doing this raise, puts more of a spotlight on it. True. Uh, and ultimately, Aubrey, anyone who's listening to the show knows when it comes to public schools and public government things that this is how I feel. Uh, I am a big fan of freedom of religion. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to hold the same standards for all religions. Yeah. This isn't a Christian school. Right. This is a public school district. Right. So if, uh, you know, uh, if she or the First Liberty Institute, who is the law, the law firm who's dealing with this, yep. if they would be OK with a school board member who is Muslim. Yeah. Quoting from the Quran, if they mm-hmm. would be OK with. Um, you know, an atheist school board member saying things, you know, that atheists would believe, but maybe would be derogatory towards Christians. That's the that's the bar for yeah. me in, in a public institution like this. It's an all or nothing deal. Yeah. And I would go with the all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But sometimes right. I get un- uncomfortable when it feels like my some of my especially more conservative Christian brothers and sisters they want freedom for themselves, but not for, not others. for other people. And I'm not if I think that's where we have to wrestle this. If you're I think it's either got to be we're not quoting. And I don't know how you make this rule, but I'm just saying we're either quoting no religious doctrine or religious everybody doctrine. is yeah. open to yeah. quoting. And the, in this article, it appears that the um, uh, that the First Liberty Institute kind of says so. They yeah. They are good with that. Like, yeah. that's kind of their point. That it has more to do with free speech than it does with we want Christian, mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, so I'm all for there being um, the greater freedom here. Yes. It does seem yeah. really weird that they're putting like this clamp on her. I would just caution people and go, that's got to be across the board. It's a public that's school. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I think part of it is there's a picture of her and she's standing in front of an American flag and she's got on like the red and white and... There is something like I agree with you, Brian. I I think like it should be free speech for all. And I would definitely want to see freedom all around for this. Right. If you're going to. The First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise of religion should be extended to all in a public school setting. 
I think like I think this goes back to something you were saying, and this is going to show my cynicism. I'm trying to figure out why she's doing it. Like, well, I, like I've been at a lot of school board meetings, and I have had school board leaders read something inspirational from Lewis, something inspirational from uh, Purpose Driven Life, something mm-hmm. so so something that's like Christianity adjacent. I haven't seen anybody read from the Bible. I happen to know these board members are active. Christians participating in their local evangelical church. I think I'm just kind of questioning the why so for it her doing like it. Her, and maybe that's why I'm a little like, what? You know, if you if you believe her, it seems that it has a lot to do with they're not just discussing, um, you know, what what should the bell schedule be or whatever, but they're just they're diving they're into heavy things, things yeah. like you know, uh, transgenderism and, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And I think she's saying, listen, and, and I respect her for that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want to be cynical on this. I want to say, OK, uh, if if your religion is driving you in this, then more power to you. You just need to be OK with other people's religion driving them, too, I suppose. And you just need to be upfront about it or somehow it all needs to be removed. So that's kind of my point. I, I think she's. It's what is happening in a lot of school boards right now, right? It's the it's the bigger topics of they're they're right at the tip of the spear of the, um, you know, of the cultural arguments. It's the transgenderism and issues yeah. of gender fluidity yeah. and sexuality, like you said. It's bathroom and it's all this kind of stuff. Um, it, uh, there's some buzzwords here, right? She says she's seeking courage to quote quote speak out for parents. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, you got to unpack that. Yeah. But at its core. I would agree with the with the institute that said she should be able to do that. This is part of. Do you the think rights. there's any difference that she's a board member instead of a private person attending? I'm all, that's a comment somebody's making on this article. So I'm wondering when this person says when she's using her position as a school board member versus her position as a private person, the expectation changes. Somebody else says kind of what you said. Look, I would personally find this annoying, but it's a constitutionally protected free speech. Whether it has political overtones or not is irrelevant. We don't want to, he says, the left just wants to suppress any speech that's (laughs) contrary to their political and ideological beliefs. So he's like, no, she's constitutionally protected. Yeah, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I don't think you leave your personal rights at the door. Just because you're on the board. Because you're on the board. But I don't think I don't think they can do that to you. So it'll be interesting to see the way this plays out. This reminds us and it's the same group that uh, stood up for that coach who prayed at midfield. That's right. That's right. It's kind of the same deal. And my overarching thing continues to be I want them to enjoy their freedom do what you believe, mm-hmm. do what you're going to do, and also stand up for the freedom of other yeah, religions. That's good. That we may, that's what freedom's all about. I can categorically disagree with someone's beliefs yeah. and still stand up for their freedom to exercise Ooh, those beliefs. That's yeah. when real freedom exists. Yeah. It's not just standing up for the people you agree with, but it's also standing up for that's those good. that you categorically yeah, disagree that's with. That's good, Brian. That's a good reminder. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sam. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.